0: Welcome back to the podcast that we do together. I'm back at the podcast that we do together. I love being doing the podcast that we do together.
1: I also love being doing the podcast.
0: For those of you who have been sitting at the very, very tip, tip, tips of your seats since last week, based on the weekly poll on which echoladder the most people tagged themselves as, Nipper Cadet was the clear winner. That's a good one. Congratulations to Nipper Cadet. Yay. Yay. And uh, eat shit and die, Rumpus Buster, because you got the least.
1: You know what? I, in, in retrospect, it was the the short the short straw.
0: Yeah, it was it was just too it was too obvious. Just so we're all clear on Dave's brother, he does make his living and support him and his young brother, in this large Texas Austin or Dallas, I can't remember, apartment making puppet pornography, pornography. Where the actors are puppets, which in this alternate universe is a multi-billion-dollar industry, apparently.
1: I mean, I would love to know what the takeaway for that is in our universe, because I mean, it's it, it has to be like not nothing. Is there is there puppet porn? I don't know. I mean, statistically, there has to be like
0: yeah, of course. But a multi-billion dollar industry, I feel like regular porn only like kind of gets there. I mean, obviously it's a massive industry and it does make billions of dollars, but like that's like all of it, you know?
1: I mean, is there a uh, puppet tag on OnlyFans?
0: I don't know. I'm not going to look it up right now because I don't want to, but... um...
1: Everybody send their findings directly to Lexi. Not to the Homestuck Book Club Twitter, but directly to Lexi's Twitter.
0: No, please don't. I don't... I don't want that. But what I really, really like about Dave talking about his brother's business in the cottage puppet porn industry is that he starts off being like, oh, yeah, it's irony. And, but then he like gets more and more unsettled by that. And then it just becomes deeply concerning to him that he's like, oh, no, my brother's like into puppets. Oh, no, <laughs> this isn't an irony thing. This is authentic. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Well, he does kind of talk about that in a previous rant about, you know, irony that folds back on in itself to be like no longer irony to back back to being irony. So it just could just be at one of these, uh, the ironic journey through irony and not irony. It could be up in the not irony threshold.
0: I think he's just kind of like, it's suddenly dawning on him that no, like this isn't irony folded in on itself. This is genuine interest and now the fact that his entire house is littered with these, they're called Smuppets, which I think is a clever name, but, like, the fact that his entire apartment is littered with these things that his brother is, like, genuinely at least a little bit into is like, oh, no, I live in a freaking
1: hellhole. Uh-oh. Oops. Well, those plush rump puppets do have transfixing rumps.
0: I'd like to add that nothing so far that we've read in... Homestuck has like dated it quite the same way as the screenshot of the Generation One iPhone that has an iPod app. Different times. It's a different time. They don't even make iPods anymore. Wait, do they? They don't make iPod touches anymore. They probably still make iPods.
1: I don't know. Anyway, should we get into the pages? I mean, that was pages. That was the that first. Was, like, okay, that, that, that was the start of the pages. Yes. Yeah. I'm not just talking about Smuppets for my health re. Uh, one thing I noticed that maybe, like, just to progress it, is this had a little bit of COVID lockdown energy. In that, <laughs> well, one, firstly, Dave's nervous fist bump with Cal reminded me of just people's attempts to redefine how we, like, physically interact with each other during COVID. Oh, yeah, totally.
0: Or, like, how, like, you know, I'll be hanging out with my mom and we'll just be, like, parting ways and just kind of look at each other and, like, try and figure out, all right, how are we going to say goodbye to this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, like, even before COVID, I was a fan of, like, the, you know, tap your foot against the other person's foot. But also, throughout COVID, like, people who, when you did get a hug and, like, people who were, like, fuck it, we're hugging like, that was, that was always a special moment. Like, I feel like hugs are one of the few things that were improved by this horrible period in all of our lives.
0: Yeah, hugs Hugs remain nice and special, but frankly, I don't think the handshake is ever going to make a comeback. I can live with that. Yeah, no, I'm fine with it, too. It's, I was just thinking, like, man, are we ever going to be, like, comfortable just, like, touching each
1: other's dirty, gross hands again? I don't mm-hmm. think so. I don't like the el- the elbow thing. I'm glad never really caught on.
0: Like I learned the elbow as a way of like congratulating your like lab mates in a AP science classroom when you successfully like pipe out one thing to it from one jar to another. I don't like seeing it out and about in my day to day life.
1: Yeah. No, we're not. We're not sur- surgeons need to have something sacred. There There need to be some things <laughs> that only surgeons are allowed to do. <laughs> not <laughs> not operating. <laughs> Well, I guess that too, but.
0: <laughs> Not cutting people open, and it's legal, and it's good, and they literally save lives, but whatever, it's
1: fine. Okay, about those handshakes, I could take or leave, but I like a high five.
0: I like a high five. Did I ever tell you about the time? Okay, so my stepdad is uh, black, just so everybody knows. He's from Trinidad and Tobago, and my regular dad is white. And one time we ran, I was out for dinner with my mom and my stepdad, and then my dad was also at the same restaurant, and my stepdad went to go fist bump my dad, and then my dad just kind of put his hand around my stepdad's fist and just kind of shook it up and down. See, I think
1: that's less (laughs) embarrassing than if your dad tried to fist bump your uh, stepdad presumptively.
0: Yeah, that would have sucked pretty bad. But like...
1: <laughs> it, was the, it, was, it was the second most embarrassing thing he could have done.
0: <laughs> it was like watching a hand train wreck. It was bad. It was so funny. Is <laughs> That's un- kind of unrelated, but it's a funny story about what we're talking about.
1: The other thing that reminded me of the energy of the last year... Two years ish oh. was David and Rose's interaction, and Rose saying that it's not like we have anything better to do than evaluate each other's radically debilitating pathologies.
0: That did hit,
1: which is definitely a. Mood. She
0: was like joking because obviously that she was definitely joking because they do actually have more important things to do, like make sure that they all like live and survive the impending apocalypse. Well, yeah, it was
1: sarcastic. It, it was sarcastic. Yes,
0: yes, it was sarcastic. Uh, whereas right now, I think if somebody said that to me, I'd just kind of go, "Oh fuck." That is all we have to do yeah, in right. it. Yeah. I need a hobby. Yeah. So John has all all manner of monsters to deal with. And I my favorite thread throughout this part is that Rose is using inanimate objects and like pieces of furniture to help John by killing these monsters that are around the house. Cause John is useless and has to do all these other things. So Rose is just like trying to put out the fires. By
1: killing these things it's a very funny it's a funny bit it's yeah. a funny bit
0: but the fact for furthermore the bit that the fridge that kills that one imp in the living room gets shot up so far up the echo ladder that like john hasn't even seen that rank yet
1: like yeah it becomes a five a five star general electric refrigerator <laughs> like which is a good a good joke
0: It's a great joke. And, like, the piano that killed those three emps outside, if it hadn't been broken, would have made an incredible amount of boondollars.
1: See, the one that got got me was when she, like, deleted the uh, plank that they made earlier, and, like, there was a monster sitting on it and it fell off. Yeah,
0: that was very funny. Just the little, uh oh, as it plummets into the nether. Yeah, so Rose is, like, aggressively... With the limited amount of grist that she has trying to build upwards so that they can get through these many, many uh, gates
1: that are above them. Meanwhile... The stairs were expensive. Stairs are expensive. Ladders, less expensive. I mean, I could have warned you about the stairs.
0: Could have warned you about the stairs. I told you about the stairs. I did really, really appreciate the honesty in that, where they're, like, on the one hand, trying to deal with this, like, critical...
1: Uh, you know, life-threatening endeavor,
0: but at the same time,
1: talking about their favorite Sweet Bro and Hella Jeff comic. Yeah, which I think is also, like, a good indication of just how, like, self-referential and navel-gazy this comic is gonna get.
0: Yes, but at the same time, re have we not ever been in a similar position where we've been talking about something, like, dead serious, but, like, been having a
1: sub-conversation about, like, a funny joke that we saw? I mean, we've... Had that situation where that funny joke was a sweet bro and hella Jeff. That too.
0: (laughs) Like, yeah, I think we're part of being friends and and talking to people is combining, you know, your earnest attempts at at communication with the latest in joke that you two have. So I like to see that with Rose and John because it was very, I related with that a lot. I, I can relate. Mm-hmm. Uh But yes, also
1: also very self referential. We saw the deployment of a new tool machine, the punch designix, which is the uh, gender neutral term for a punch designer or designette. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Okay. All right, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, this is also my favorite machine
1: because it just punches holes in things.
0: It punches holes in things. And like, I don't want to get too ahead of it. But like, also, I'll just say this is what allows the characters to combine different articles and like make new weapons and like items and stuff. And it gets really good. So just stay tuned because we get some really good sight gags coming up (laughs) and good puns abound. Uh, so we've got the Nanoquin Sprite making a hell of a lot of cookies that John is trying to avoid yet again, showing his uh, how much he hates baked goods. And you can see where John's dad gets it from, because she is making like, a ludicrous amount of cookies.
1: It is a ludicrous amount of cookies. Like, why can't he just appreciate how much his family just wants to feed him?
0: Right? Like a nice- a nice cookie man,
1: I'm just saying like there are so few family members to go around among these kids, and like he has the good ones,
0: yeah, right, like Rose has her weird passive aggressive alcoholic mom, Dave
1: has well his brother, who's like into cl- puppet porn we've talked we've just talked about that none- none parents and a weird brother, yeah,
0: and then like. Gg, who we haven't really met yet, doesn't really have
1: parents. So yeah, spoiler spoilers. spoilers. The least the least parents of the bunch. The
0: least parents of the bunch goes to goes to Gg. So like, honestly, honestly, John, shut up. Eat your damn cookies. Top notch visual of this episode has to go to John riding his Ghostbusters slime pogo ride from his backyard playground. Bouncing it around his home, up and down the stairs, hammer smashing all the imps as he goes. Kicking imps and taking grist.
1: Just flipping the fuck out. Yeah.
0: And I like the the subtitle, this is incredibly dangerous. Because it was. God. He did end up absolutely eating it in the floor of his
1: living room. God. That ghost loved hot dogs.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you ever just think about the Slimer ghost like, eating the hot dogs? I've
0: seen yeah. Ghostbusters
1: exactly one time, so no, not really. Oh. He loves hot dogs. Cool. Ah, uh, one thing I want to shout out is uh Rose in Roses walkthrough is the shitty uh JPEGs. I
0: I wanted to talk about those.
1: I wanted to talk about those two. They're so funny. Uh, well, one it's it's a nice like little recap, but also just like s- those just like slightly too compressed. They're slightly JPEGs. too compressed.
0: They recontextualize everything we've seen through the eyes of a very snarky. Uh, teenage girl one of my favorites is the one where rose is Mm -hmm. pestering john there's a bucket on the thing on the bed he's obviously very frustrated in his room and the caption is co-player has displayed inexplicably capricious behavior since arrival stress-related contacted virus indigenous to realm." It should be noted that he was kind of a
1: weird guy anyway. Or like when she's holding up the car and then it's just like, after this point, my internet disconnected. I have no idea what happened afterwards.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. He's just on the pogo ride in the living room holding his hammer. Uh, and it says, yeah, I, I have no idea what the fuck he's doing here. Oh, shit. I just I clicked on the last one. I hadn't seen it yet. Uh, it's uh, just a blurry room. And it says a view of his kidnapped father's room. I can't see in here for some reason. Perhaps this is because John himself has never entered the room? It is possible that I can see only, in a sense, what John can see, or has seen already. I have not found the time to discuss this with him yet. If he enters the room, the question may answer itself. It's just a funny picture of uh, static. Kind of, yeah,
1: just noise.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I really enjoy these.
1: What else happened? We got a little bit of the... uh... The the mysterious wanderer in the uh, control room as he reads a book on etiquette and then eats the pages in order to, I guess, internalize them. (laughs) He does
0: get more polite in his commands with John, like drastically. He certainly does. Yeah. He eats paper all the time. He loves to eat paper. So yeah, love, love this guy. Can't wait to get more of him. He's literally one of the best characters. As John and Rose are starting to progress and they're like upwards building and game fact writing and imp destroying, every time we check in with Dave, it becomes clear that he's just getting more and more unhinged by the puppet porn thing.
1: Well, yeah, he just is like, just realizing what's going on. Just like, you know, him being like, don't tell John, but he I think he was kind of right about the puppets. They're weird.
0: Yeah, but like, yeah, every time they check in with him, he's just more and more stressed or anxious or like just completely derailed about the whole thing. So I have spent a lot of money on an English degree. So when I saw that Rose wrote a rap slash poem, girl, you knew I had to scan it. Oh, I know. So here's the poem from top to it. It's just kind of in one of the pester logs, so it's easy to kind of miss. but. I'll, I'll read it aloud before I get into the the pros the metrics and prosody of it all. Prong of flesh, bereft of home, found solace twixt a cleft of foam. Of apocalypse, your thoughts eclipse a painted pair of parted lips that dare through kiss to stir the air, that teases tufts of orange hair, and through faces flush and lovers fits, hands snug in plush as gloves befit. So we got here a classic uh, A.A.B.B. C C D D rhyme structure, pretty pretty standard. Uh, so this one's really interesting, actually, because I, I I I checked for for scansion, and for the most part, from lines two till uh, two, three, four, five, six, we've got what's called the niambic t- tetrameter. So that means that each two syllables starts with an unstressed, followed by a stressed syllable. So, iambic pentameter is what Shakespeare uses for most of his stuff. So, iambic tetrameter just means that instead of five metrical feet, there's four metrical feet. That's it. It's just a little shorter. However... Uh, The more you know. However, I'm not done. Uh, The first line is not an iamb that starts with unstressed stress. It's actually a trochee, which is the reverse of that. It's stressed, unstressed. So, instead of going... For the second line, found saw-less, twixt, a cleft of foam, which is iambic. The first line goes prong of flesh, bereft of home, which starts with the stressed syllable and then goes to an unstressed. So that's the opposite of an iamb. It's called a trochee. Now, in addition, (laughs) the first line also has a missing syllable. Uh, So there's four metrical feet, but the last foot doesn't have a word. So there's only uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven syllables where it should have eight. That, my friend, is called the catalectic. I'll get into that in a second. So that's a deliberate missing syllable from what, where the rest of the poem has an obvious metrical structure. Now, the seventh line, the second to last, just kind of threw freaking caution to the wind. We're back to a trochee uh, foot. So stressed, unstressed. And there's an extra syllable. Because there's, there's nine syllables instead of eight. So that's going in the other direction. And that, my friend, is called an amphiborac, which is extra syllable. And I'll get to that in a second, too. And then in the last line, it goes back to the iambic tetrameter. So there is a clear structure here that is deliberately broken three times, to- three or four times, depending on what you want to count. So why is this important, you ask? Switching from an I am to a trochee is often used when a poet wants to emphasize despair, as it's the more melancholic foot because it goes bum bum, instead of ba ba. So, if we read "prong of flesh bereft of home," that's one of the saddest lines in the whole thing. So she's using the metrical the metrical structure to just dis- to convey the melancholy of that line, which is really cool. And a trochee is also a very fittingly edgy move. It's totally something Rose would do because she's a, a rule breaker. Uh, and it makes sense that the first line is the saddest. And then that first catalectic, that first missing syllable from the first line is something that we often see in ancient Greek and Latin poetry. The amphibola- amphiborac extra syllable in line seven is also something that we see in Latin and Greek poetry but it's also something we see a lot in Dr. Seuss. So, <laughs> I, so I don't know how intentional it is, but this might be not only is she using rhyming kind of iambic poem in place of a rap, but she also may be deliberately making a reference to both, you know, ancient Greek chorus and Latin poetry and Shakespeare. Uh, and then also throwing in a reference to Dr. Seuss, making this like the most hyper meta combo of the formal and informal art. I guess running gag, but yeah, just the even like in the very bones of this like random throwaway poem, you get the combination of formal and informal art. Uh, in addition to the fact that there just like is this is that this is technically supposed to be a rap. And then just to kind of cap off it, my
1: little.
0: I had to be smart for today. This is the last, my last point is that once she's done, uh, Dave calls Rose, like, okay, okay, Dickinson, um, as a response to what she, to her little poem. And I would just like to state that though there are symmetrical similarities to Emily Dickinson's poetry, the comparison is pretty eh, um, since Dickinson will routinely switch between eight and six syllable lines. Uh, which Rose doesn't do, so the uh, the allegory does not, the the analogy
1: doesn't hold up, Dave. You're just you're just giving away your degree for free on here, aren't you?
0: That was actually I learned most of that when I was doing my acting diploma because we did a lot of shit with Shakespeare, so that was a lot
1: cheaper. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I want to say is I think your idea, your use of the word deliberate, was doing a lot of work there, but otherwise. I am assuming that you are correct because none of those words made any sense. Most of them were literally Greek to me, and some of them were figuratively Greek to me.
0: Yeah, but did you did you kind of get it
1: what I meant? Uh yeah. I mean, I get te- technically, I got it. Yeah. See, Tec- I just kind of like I've I've written off uh, poetry as a lo- as the lowest form of art, so I just kind of don't think much about the technical aspects of it. So I kind of again, I have to kind of take your word for it.
0: Yeah, basically. All poetry can be Okay. So this is how I like to think of it. You 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 know music, right? Uh technically. Technically, you're what like the best musician I know, I think. I think. That's kind of sad. Shut up. I'm trying to be nice. Yeah. So you know how like in music, you know, you can listen to something and try and like I'm not good at music, so I'm doing my best here. So like you listen to music and just by listening to it, you can generally kind of figure out what the time signature is. Yeah. Well I mean easy. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. So you've got you've got all the notes out on a page. The notes are the words in this case. And then by knowing the time signature, you know how to break it up, and then that gives it its kind and that gives it its, its rhythm. That's essentially what meter is in poetry. So you've got all the words out, and that's the notes. And then by reading it, you can give it a you give it essentially a time signature that helps to kind of map it out. And then I don't know. I feel like I don't know if this is true, but I feel like one of the reasons that tracking meter in poetry is so important is because it makes it more comfortable to read. But it also makes it really, really noticeable and important when that meter is subverted. So in Shakespeare, sometimes he'll start a line or he'll give a have a line with an extra syllable in it. And 100% of the time, if a line has an extra syllable in Shakespeare, that means that that line and that word that is has that extra stress is extremely important to what is going on in the whole scene. So ditto to Rose's poetry where uh, where she adds and takes away syllables or uh, flips the the type of metrical foot she's using from an I to a trochee. It means that she's emphasizing the despair in those specific lines.
1: That's that's. That's it. <laughs> Again, like, the question is, is this something that Hussey did, like... H- what level of intentionality was it that Hussey did that with? Or was he just, like, you know, you get exposed to enough poetry, you can kind of do something that is technically complicated by accident?
0: Yeah, I mean, the fact... The fact remains is that the whole poem is in tetrameter. Uh, it's got eight syllables, and then, obviously... I say that and say that, oh, there's a missing syllable in the first line and an extra syllable in the seventh. But other than that, it's the same. And I feel like for doing one, two, three, four, five, six lines in the exact same, doing all of that in Iamic Tentrameter tells me that it was done on purpose because that's hard to do by accident. Like even like the, uh, the li- third line of Apocalypse Your Thoughts Eclipse like, apocalypse is a three-syllable word, so putting that in is generally a hard thing to do. But he did it, and it still scans the same way as the rest of the poem.
1: Well, I, I wonder if, because where I sort of started to appreciate complex poetry was in... Rap music, because, like, the idea that, like, as a, you know, you grow up with, like, as, like, a privileged suburban white kid being, like, oh, rap is stupid, it's nothing, and then you're, like, oh, like, there is a technical, like, a very, like, very technical mathematical reason why, like, you know, Kendrick Lamar sounds different than, like, have you ever had a girl that you wanted to date, but a year to make love, she wanted you to wait, like, there's... Hmm. Like very, there's there's technical reasons why rap sounds better now than it used to, and like that's all that kind of stuff that you were talking about. Obviously, not like in the Shakespearean sense, but it's still that sort of like strict syllabic, uh, you know, repetition and whatnot. So yeah. I wonder if it's, if what he's coming from either is like you know you know paying it to either like some college level English classes or. You know, a little bit of personal study, or if it is more of this, like, you know, because like where we're trying to figure out what how, what his actual relationship to hip hop music is, and I'm wondering if maybe his ability to count out a good poem like that comes from that instead.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean that's super possible. If I was writing an essay, I would cite the many other instances of combining rap and poetry as evidence that what he was doing was deliberate also Mm -hmm. also just as a sidebar the word i was thinking of earlier was motif oh anyways (laughs) um yeah so if i was writing an essay i feel like i'd be pretty well substantiated to be like look this guy does this a lot and it's very clear that he at least has some working knowledge of story writing and like you know literary devices and stuff so like yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something to do with that. Uh just as a sidebar though, Reed, did you ever have an English class where your teacher sat down perhaps backwards on a chair and was like, Look, kids, poetry is rap music.
1: Let's take a listen to this. It's poetry. Uh no, but I don't think that would have landed when I was sixteen. Like now, yes, when I was 16, yeah,
0: definitely. No, and I, in my grade 7 class, my teacher, she didn't sit backwards on the chair, but it seemed like something that, like, some of the other teachers might have done. And I was like, hey, kids, you're having trouble with poetry? Listen to this. And it was uh, a Tupac song. I can't remember which one. One of the nice ones. They're all nice. I don't, I, I'll all admit, nice. I don't know much about Tupac. But um, it was the one about women and mothers, yeah yeah, 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 Oh, yeah, um, I didn't know the one you talked about. But yeah, no, and then everybody went, whoa. <laughs> and then we also listened to Simple Plan's Perfect, and I lost my fucking mind because Simple Plan <laughs> is and was my favorite band of all time. So everyone was like, yeah, and everyone was like, this band is stupid. <laughs> and I was like, shut up. <laughs> they're, they're amazing, and the singer's hot. That was, that was 14-year-old Lexi. That's what I had going on. Anyway, is there anything that we've
1: missed in the uh, recap? I think we pretty much pretty covered, covered
0: it. Um, next week, we're going to read from pages 459 to 635. So far, all of the sections are roughly the same length. So, like, doing two at a time
1: is still working out for us. So that's all very well and good. Do you have anything else you want to add? Um, No, nothing aside from you can find me at R-H-I-C-R-T-R on Twitter and Instagram. Cool.
0: Anyways, I'm Lexi at pigeon underscore toad, like the bird and the amphibian, on Twitter, and our podcast's Twitter is at homestuckbc, like book club. And also the province, because that's where we live. Thanks to Devlin, our editor, who is at D-V-L-I-N-G-L-L-W-Y on Twitter. And you can listen to their very cool podcast, Music is Good Pod, wherever podcasts are found. And thank you to the R Buckles, as always, for our theme song. It's fun. Uh, sidebar, the Buckles man, uh, a.k.a. my fiancé, Kevin. Apparently, he started writing an actual, like, theme song that wasn't just a song that he already had for this. And he thought of like a melody and some words for it and stuff, and then forgot about it almost immediately. So sorry, we're still gonna just use one of his regular songs, which uh, you could which you can, f- which you can find at ourbuckles.bandcamp.com and on Spotify. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening to my lecture on meter and prosody.
1: Um, <laughs> Wait, do we have a do we have a question or a poll?
0: Oh, do we have a question or a poll? Uh, did you like Lexi's lecture on meters and meter of prosody? Because
1: <laughs> we, we could just make this uh, an English, uh, like literary uh, podcast. Yeah,
0: I could do that more. It took more time than usual, but that's OK. I have nothing going on right now, so. It's fine. Anyways. All right. Thanks. Thanks, friends. Thanks, Ree. Thanks. Doug.
1: Have a have a good. Don't get don't get stuck in in your house.
0: Don't get stuck in your house. Do, do.